Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today we're going to have part two of what spiritual gifts God has for you. We're going to look at such things as the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom is essentially is just walking in the counsel of the Spirit. In fact, the Bible talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. Well, the way you keep in step with the Spirit is by walking in the counsel of the Spirit. And some of you that are listening, you have the gift of wisdom. And you need to be begin to walk in that wisdom and share that wisdom as a blessing for others because it's a gift to you to give to others. We're going to look at also the gift of faith, that when God tells you you can do something, you just believe God and you go do it. Or if God tells you you can have something, that you believe God is just going to give you that something. We know that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And so the more you listen to Jesus, the more opportunity you have to have the gift of faith. We're also going to look at, for instance, the gift of discernment or the gift of distinguishing between spirits. And one of the first steps to exercising that gift is to simply stop ignoring what God is making obvious to you. If God is showing you something or about a situation, about a person, don't ignore what he's making so obvious to you. And so we're going to look at these gifts and um, remembering that these gifts are about service, not about self-promotion. Uh, your gift is there for you because you are called of God to do something and he's equipping you with your gifting. So what we need to do is we need to begin to practice using the gifts that God has given to us. And the Bible, it talks about fanning into flame the gift that God has given you. Don't don't hide your gift. Begin to use it for, for blessings and, and to help for others. So listen in and be blessed. Amen. So this is the second part of last last Sunday's message on, you know, what what spiritual gifts does God have for you? Someone as young as Donovan. You know, he's not that young anymore, but you know, as Alex or or as as old as, as me. <laughs> All right. Each of us, you were born and God had some gifts in his hand and he was waiting for you to give your heart to Jesus and to be filled with the spirit. And then he you'll see the last thing I'm going to tell you today. He's through those gifts, just abundantly poured out those gifts on you. And God's just waiting for you to start working in your giftings, to operate and live in your giftings. He doesn't want you to be self-reliant or reliant on your own talents. He wants you to be reliant, first of all, on him, but operating freely in the gifts that God has given you. And they're not just the churchy type of gifts. I'm talking about giftings in the workplace, giftings out there in the world where you are. That's where the gifts operate the most powerfully. And certainly we have gifts as a body of believers that we use to encourage each other, to build each other out. But these things are these things are sticks of dynamite in a good way. I'm telling you, when you start operating your gifts, you are unstoppable. unstoppable. And when you operate in your giftings, you, you operate almost in perfection. Almost in perfection. Amen? Um, and some of you have experienced this. Some of, the, some of you know what I'm talking about. But let's, let's launch into this. Last Sunday, we looked at Romans 12, 
which we find somewhat of a categorization of gifts. Yes, there's some specific gifts in there, but a categorization of gifts. But then you move into 1 Corinthians 12, which is where we're going to be today. You can turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be there the whole time. And you find some very specific gifts. And let me tell you what, these sermons are not to be exhaustive of the gifts of the Spirit. There's so much more the Bible has to say about the gifts. So, so get entered. Let your curiosity drive your devotional life and look up other things about the gifts of the Spirit that are out there, both in the Old Testament and in the, in the New Testament. But I'm not going to rehash that today. Let's start off in 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm just going to kind of read verse by verse and extract things uh, that will hopefully be a blessing to, to all of us. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, the Apostle Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be uninformed. What? Remember this two Sundays ago. You need to know the gifts, know what the gifts are. You need to want the gifts, and then you need to ask for the gifts. So don't be uninformed. Know what they are. Know their purpose. Know how they link to your calling. Know how they link to your calling. That's very important. Otherwise, if you operate in your gifts without a calling, you become prideful. You get a big head. You say, look at me. Look at, look at what I'm doing. Look at how talented and gifted I am. And God says, that's not it. Calling comes before gifting. Let your calling drive you in the operation of the giftings of the Spirit. Verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, how many of you were pagans at one point in your life? <laughs> you know what a pagan is? Basically an ungodly person, a godless person, a, God, a person without God in their lives. So we were all pagans per se. Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Mute idols like a cool car or a nice set of clothes or a big title, or a big position, or a big accomplishment. That's a mute idol. Somehow, those dumb things lead us astray. Isn't that unfortunate? <laughs> Somehow, we're led astray by mute idols. But in verse 3, here's what the Apostle Paul is driving at. He says, therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. Well, that seems pretty obvious. Somebody speaking by the Holy Spirit is not going to say, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, you go up to anybody on the street and you say, Do you, can you tell me, say these words out loud, Jesus is Lord. The Bible says that no one can say that unless the Holy Spirit is prompting them, is, has enlightened them enough to actually say that Jesus is Lord. That's pretty powerful if you stop and think about it. So, the, the, the point of the scripture is the Spirit brings unity under Christ. The Spirit brings unity. The Spirit is not going to go tell Sarah to say something the opposite of what Jesse is saying. No, he's going he's to bring a unified message amongst all of us, the church, the body of Christ, to say the same thing, to be driving in the same direction. I've, I've, I've mentioned this many, many times, a bumper sticker out there that says coexist. The Spirit does not promote coexisting or coexistence. The Spirit says, come under Christ, and under Christ you will be unified. Jesus said, there's only one way to the Father, it's through me. I am the the truth, the way, and the life. There's no man can come to the Father except through me. And so the Spirit, it's the Spirit of Jesus. Did you know the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus? 
The Bible talks as the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to have us going in the same direction, saying the same thing with the same purpose. And our giftings are like this beautiful, different angles of a diamond. You know, I'm gifted and Sister Doris is gifted and Nada and, and Berman is gifted. We all complement one, one another and bring this beautiful, singular purpose of the kingdom of heaven, of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You're number one in our lives, not just in my life, but our lives. Can you imagine how powerful that is? That's what the Holy Spirit does. So if the Spirit brings unity, we can conclude that anything that leads to disunity in our midst is a bad thing. It's a bad thing for us to be at odds with one another, not clicking one another with one another. Listen to this, not liking one another. Can, can I say that I don't like you, but I love you? I don't think so. If you love somebody, you're going to like them. So the liking factor shows you if you're loving somebody or not. Do you think God can love you but not like you well? There, there's the possibility. <laughs> he, he's good. he doesn't like your sin, but he loves you and he likes you. And we should be the same thing. Take the same approach. So can you, can you imagine this? We could be a wonderful group of people here in unity. Somebody walks in the door that's a Christian and brings discord have you ever heard a discord where you hit a chord on the piano and it doesn't, it just, ooh, it doesn't sound right? Discord? That's what it sounds like when a Christian walks in and brings disunity amongst us. Do you think that's ever happened in our church before? You bet you. <laughs> it sure has. And uh, now as I'm growing, you know, I'm getting a little wiser and I'm looking for it, man. I don't want that disunity. I want us to figure out how we can come together under Christ with a, with the with the uh, with a spirit here in charge now that's not to say that if if a Christian comes in the the door and they're giving into sin they're promoting sin they're saying I you know I'm going to go do whatever I feel like I'm going to be in disunity with them I am because they're not really following Jesus they might be a Christian in name but not in practice and so that is going to cause some some conflict that only Jesus can resolve. I can't resolve that kind of conflict. That person has got to get their heart right with God. But look at this, just to, just to kind of put this into perspective. Matthew 6, 16, 23. I think I have it up on the screen here. Jesus turns to one of his disciples, not only one of his disciples, his main disciple, <laughs> the guy, Peter. And he says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. What are the concerns of God? What is another way of saying that? What's important to God? You don't have in mind what's important to God, but merely human concerns. You're only, you're only interested in what's important to human beings, not, to what's, to, not what's important to God. So when you come into contact with a Christian who has more in, is, is concerned more with what's important to them than what's important to God, we're going to have some disunity in that kind of situation. There's going to be something we need to talk about and we need to bring out into the open. So generally, the spirit brings unity. But if somebody's not living for Jesus, there's going to be discord and we have to address that the way the Bible tells us to. Christians can easily fall in, into being more mindful about what humans think than what God thinks. Look at your life. Are you more concerned about what people think or what God thinks? Think about that. 
And that's the definition of the fear of God. The fear of God is being more worried about what God thinks than what people think. And for the spirit to really rule and reign over us and bring unity, we've got to be more in tune with what God wants than what people want. So how can each of us make sure that we're in unity with the spirit? How can you unite? If Brother Jimmy's in unity with the spirit, I'm in unity with the spirit, Sarah's in unity with the spirit, we're going to be in unity with one another because we're all, we're all focused on the same thing. So how can each one of us be in unity with the spirit? Well, here it says in Galatians 5.25, we're about to get to the gifts, don't worry. Uh, we live, Galatians 5.25, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. And this was such an eye-opening thing to me in my personal devotions in the last two weeks, is what does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? And I've been reading, actually memorizing Psalms 1, the first chapter of Psalms. I've been memorizing. And the very first verse says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. And that's in the New International Version. Does not walk in step with the wicked. Well, what does that look like? Well, here's a... Here's a person who's a wicked person. They're putting their left foot this way, so I put my left foot. And then they, they walk this way, and I'm just keeping in step with them. I'm just, just walking right beside them in step. You could almost look at it as a dance. We're, we're dancing together in step with them. And the Bible says don't stay in step with the wicked. But yet back here in Galatians 5.25, it says keep in step with the Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit. Well, in the New King James Version, the same, the same verse, Psalms 1.1 says, Blessed is man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In the counsel. So what does it mean to walk in step with somebody? To walk in their counsel. To walk in their counsel. And so to, to walk in step with the Spirit is to walk in the counsel of the Spirit every day. What is the Spirit telling me? I'm going to obey. I'm going to acquiesce. I'm going to do what the Spirit tells me to do, and I'm not going to do what the Spirit tells me not to do. I'm going to walk in the counsel of the Spirit. And I want you to think about one of the texts that you're going to get this week is, in fact, are you walking in the counsel of the Spirit today? And I challenge you to ask yourself that question all day, every day this week. Am I walking in the counsel of the Spirit uh, one of you had an interesting experience this morning. I won't go into any details, but you know what the, this person said? If that would have happened to the old me, I would have lost it. You know what? He was listening to the counsel of the Spirit in the middle of a stressful situation. You're walking in the counsel of the Spirit. That's how we can be in unity with the Spirit. All right, so let's let's jump into this. Verse 4 of first. Corinthians chapter 12 says there are different kinds of gifts. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Look, one spirit, different kind of gifts. That makes sense? Distributed them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And we talked about this. Some people are good at cooking meals, serve through cooking meals. Some people are artistic and, and decorate things nicely, serve through decorating nicely for somebody some people can do a tax return then do a tax return for somebody we all have different ways of serving serve at what you're good at for someone else 
You say, well, I'm not good at it. Of course you're good at something. Everybody is good at something, and you can help somebody through that. Some of you are good at counseling, giving good counsel. Serve through giving counseling. So it says different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Notice that. We said same spirit, same Lord. That's Jesus. And then lastly, there are different kinds of working. But all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Did you get that? It mentions the Holy Spirit. It mentions the Lord Jesus Christ. And it mentions God the Father. It mentions uh, gifts. It mentions service. And it mentions working. Now listen to this. Gifts, your giftings, are about service, not about self-promotion. Your giftings are simply about serving someone else, not about making yourself look good and look at how wonderful I am. No. I'm just here to help you with my gift. That's why it's called a gift. It's not about work, okay? Excuse me. It's about work, not about delegation. I, I'm shocked whenever we come together and we're, we're going to hand out turkeys or we're going to do this or that. I'm shocked and amazed at how everybody jumps in and does something. It's about working. It's, you know what? The kingdom of heaven is about rolling up your sleeves and doing something that takes some effort, takes some time, takes some emotion. It's time for us to be hard workers. Godly people are hard workers. They're not going to sit there and delegate to someone else. They're going to roll up their sleeves. They're going to get out there and they're going to do something. Every Christian should be known as the hardest worker in the workforce. I believe that's your, one of your greatest testimonies is being a diligent worker, a hard worker. So it says here, it's about different kinds of workings, but it's all the same God who's working in us. All right, verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What's manifestation? That's something you can see, something you can touch, something, something tangible. Let me tell you what, people who say there's no God, all you have to do is look at my life and how I've changed, and that's a manifestation of God, a manifestation of the Spirit. Look at your life. Has God manifested himself in your life and changed you in some way? I guarantee you every single one of us. With the manifestation, something that's tangible, it doesn't have to be proven by science. It doesn't have to be proven through philosophy. It's proven by a changed life, the manifestation for the common good of someone else. Verse 8, to one, here we finally get into the, the gifts. Okay, here we go. Verse 8, to one there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, the gift of wisdom. Some of you have the gift of wisdom now god wants everybody to be wise but some of you have the gift of wisdom and the gift of wisdom is simply knowing what to do and what not to do <laughs> that's that's the gift of wisdom it's taking applying knowledge and saying now i know this now i'm going to apply this knowledge to make good decisions a wise person makes good decisions and avoids bad bad decisions you got the, the gift of wisdom. I'm looking at somebody. I'm not going to call anybody out. I know somebody in here that has the gift of wisdom. You need to fan that wisdom into flame. Use it to serve other people. Use it to serve other people. The gift of wisdom means somebody's going to call you up on the phone and say, Hey, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing here. Can you tell me what you think? You're going to use your gift of wisdom to help them avoid a trap, avoid a pitfall, avoid a bad decision. 
Use the gift of wisdom. Now, I'll give you an example. There's a lady in our church, and, and if you were here on Wednesday night, you'll know who I'm talking to. She was out in the park. I believe I got the story somewhat right. <laughs> you always kind of lose it in translation. But I believe she was out in the park, and she saw some friends walking by. And in her heart, in her spirit, she her, her natural instinct was to go up, give them a hug, and say, how are you guys doing? She felt restrained from that, held back, and didn't go up to them. And it turns out they were positive for COVID. She found out a day or two later. All right? That's the gift of wisdom is listening, inclining your ear to, to the Holy Spirit in day and day out situations that you're facing. Knowing what to do. Listening. Now, the more you listen to the Holy Spirit, the wiser you're going to get. The wiser you're going to get because he just spills. In fact, the, the book of Proverbs is talking about the Holy Spirit when it talks when he talks about wisdom. It's talking about wisdom, the Holy Spirit. They're, they're, almost, they're basically one and the same. All right? So uh, let, me, let me give an example from the Bible. And this is one, one of our scriptures from last week. But First Chronicles 12.32 is speaking of the men of Issachar, one of the tribes of Israel. And it says of these men that they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. They knew the times and knew what Israel should do. Are you in, in tune with the times that we're facing? And do you know what to do? We need to be wise. God wants to give us the gift of wisdom. And then there's Solomon. And you, you hopefully read about Solomon last week. Solomon, here's the sign of a gift. He had no wisdom to start off with. What did he do? God asked him, he said, Solomon, ask me for anything that you want and I'll give it to you. I'm telling you, God's asking you the same question. Ask me for anything you want, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for you. Now, I think it's a test when God asks us that. <laughs> He's going to see what kind of thing we ask for. But Solomon said, I'm just a boy. <laughs> I'm the king of Israel now. My dad, I've got to fill King David's shoes, the best king probably of all of history. I've got to fill his shoes. Show me how to lead this people. God, give me wisdom. And you know what? God gave Solomon the gift of wisdom. He didn't have any of it initially, and God gave it to him, and it was a gift of wisdom. God wants to do that with you as well. Ask God for gifts, and he'll give you what you do not have right now. Let's continue on here in verse 8. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. There's the gift of the word of knowledge. There's the gift of the word of wisdom. And then there's the gift of a word of knowledge. What is, what is that? Well, I'll give you a personal example. It happened here in this church. Um, I've struggled. You know, I have a full-time job. I have uh, the church. And I've told the Lord, God, I'll give up my job. I'm happy to give up my job and just dedicate my time full-time to the ministry. And I, I don't get a clear answer. I'm like, do I do it? Do I not do it? You know, and then, and then other times in my life, I've said, God, if you want me to serve full time in my job, I'll be a missionary to the work for it. I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. I'll never forget. I was in this church, and this man came and prayed for me, and he said something that I'll never forget. He gave me a word of knowledge. He said, as he was praying for me, he said, Steve, you will always be in two circles. And he, this guy didn't even know me. He said, you'll always be operating in two, two spheres, two circles. He said, you'll always be in business, and you'll always be in ministry. 
And you know what? That sealed the deal for me. It's like, okay, God, a word of knowledge. Now I have clarity. See, that's what knowledge does. It gives you clarity and you can pursue. You can shoot straight on through to whatever God wants you to do. Some of you have the gift of word of knowledge to give to people. And when you're, you're praying for somebody and you're like, oh, wow, I, I sense that I could tell them something. Well, tell it to them. That's the Holy Spirit working through you to give that person some clarity of how they can proceed in whatever it is that they're facing. Now, here's a side note. This gift of word of knowledge and word of wisdom has been abused, misused, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's messed people up. And here's the two, two reasons why it is. If I have the gift of word of knowledge and I have a controlling spirit, and I want to start pulling strings and getting this person to date that person, and let's get these people married off, and I want this person out of the church, I'm going to start using my gift to start controlling. That's a, that's a horrible thing. That's a horrible thing. The gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge is to serve, it's to encourage, it's to let God dictate what someone needs to do, not for me to dictate, all right? So that's number one is controlling. The other one is, is someone who comes in and they want to show off. They want to show off how gifted they are and how full of the spirit they are. And they start showing off and they walk in the door and immediately start giving, oh, God told me this for you and God told me that for you. You know, I've learned a lot. And the next time that happens in our church, it's already happened many times, and I wasn't sure what to do, but now I do. I'm going to step in as they're walking in the door, and I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Let us get to know you a little bit better first. Before you start ministering to people and giving them a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom, let us get to know you a little bit better, and then we'll see where we kind of go from here. Because anybody that walks in the door and wants to do that, I tend to believe is trying to be a show-off, and we don't need any show-offs here. <laughs> we don't need any cool anything. We don't need any show-offs. We just want Jesus in our midst. We just want the Spirit of God in our midst. So uh, we go on in verse 9. Another, the gift of faith by the same Spirit. Now, this one gets me excited because this is, this is a gift I really want. And I, I've, I see that I've been operating in this little by little more and more. And I'm fanning into flame the gift of faith in my, my life. I, I want the gift of faith. And this is crazy. This is the gift of faith to me. It is a, a decent definition that applies to me. And I believe it could apply to anybody. Listen to this. It's when God tells you you can do something or you can have something and you just believe God. He says, you know what? And this has happened to me before. Now, you can get into materialism so quick, and you can get into being rich and that, and that's not what this is about. But this has happened to me many times. I have considered a purchase, and I look at it, and I say, nah, I can't do it. It's not the right thing for us. I walk away from the purchase, and as I'm walking away, maybe a couple of days later, I feel the Holy Spirit says, I've given that to you. It's happened to me several times. I've given that to you. And I stop, and I turn around, and I reconsider, and by faith, not, not by um, presumption, but by faith, I say, Jesus, you've given it to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. And not one single time when I've made that type of de a decision have I looked back and said, I made a bad decision. God wants you to walk by faith, and he's going to tell you sometimes, you know what, I've given that to you. Go take it. Don't steal it but go take it, you know, 
Go buy it. Go appropriate it. Stand there until somebody gives it to you. I've given it to you. The other thing, though, and this is probably more, more appropriate, is when God says, you can do it. Go do it. Go do it. That's how I was with, with this church. I, 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 <laughs> I didn't know. I was just, we were just helping my parents. And I'll never forget where I was standing in El Paso when the Lord told me, he said, you're going to pastor the church. And it just changed my whole, you know, he said, you can do it. You can do it. And then a few months later, my dad called me and said, I think it's time. And we hadn't even really been talking about it. God, the gift of faith where God whispers something into you and says, you can do it. And I'm going to open the door. I'm going to make it possible. You are going to do impossible things. I'm looking at some of you without naming names. You have the gift of faith. Start fanning that, that into flame. Don't look at the impossibilities. Look at Jesus. And he's going he's gonna to infuse you with faith. All right? Um, I'll never forget, I was working in a certain organization, unnamed organization. <laughs> and we were running out of money, big time. And payroll was on Monday. And th- came, came Thursday, and all of a sudden... God told me it's going to be all right. We're going to have enough money. I couldn't help but believe that it was going to be all right, as if the money was already there to pay the bills. Friday came, no money. And D-Day was Monday. That was payroll day, all right? Friday, I woke up. God is going to do it. (laughs) I mean, I didn't have to talk myself into it. I knew that God was going to do it. Saturday no money same thing I just know God I was like rejoicing I was bouncing off the walls excited because I knew that God was going to do it again I wasn't talking myself I wasn't psyching myself up I had the gift of faith Sunday came I said surely God (laughs) it's coming Sunday Monday mornings when we write the checks nothing nothing Monday morning, I woke up, all right, God, let's see how you're going to pull this one off, man. Sure enough, like 10 o'clock in the morning, payroll was 12 o'clock, the money came in miraculously. That's the gift of faith when God tells you it's going to be okay. You can do it. I'm going to make it work for you. How many, don't you want the gift of faith? I would imagine all of us want the gift of faith. Praise God. Well, how does the gift of faith operate? Well, it's all in Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ or the word of Christ, actually. It's called the rhema word of God. It's the spoken word of God. It's not just what you read in the Bible. It's what jumps out at you from the Bible and grips your soul. It's the spirit of God taking a scripture and saying, this is for you. Has that ever happened to you? That's where faith is sparked. That's when faith starts. That's why we've got to read our Bible so God has something to work with in our lives. Get the word of God into us so that we can, in fact, have faith. Mark 11, 22 and 20 through 24, it says, have faith in God. Well, where does faith come first? It's from hearing. You don't just willy-nilly, I have faith. I'm going to go buy a a boat and I'm going to go. No, that's not faith. Faith comes from hearing that God says you're going to have this or do that or whatever. So you listen to God, and he says, have faith. When you hear God, have faith. Jesus said, I truly tell you, anyone who says to this mountain, after hearing God, 
<laughs> says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes. Believes is faith in action. Faith is a noun, believes is a verb. Believes um, and does not doubt in their heart. That the, and they say that, um, that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Let's listen to God because he's going to tell you some massive, gnarly, crazy things that he wants to do. And he's just waiting for you to believe him. Just believe him, man. Start. Don't just think big. Thank God. <laughs> some people say, dream big dreams. And you know what? God's bigger than your biggest dream. So dream what God has in store for you. Amen. All right. That's the gift of faith. Praise God. That's why in Philippians 4.13... This is faith speaking. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Every one of you can do it through Christ who gives you strength. And faith is, in fact, about action. Action, all right? And, and we, we see also, and there's so many good scriptures here. This is another thing we're going to be talking about towards the beginning of the year. But Romans 12, 3 says that there's, there's a measure of faith that's been given to each one of us. We all have faith. But man, some of us have the gift of faith. <laughs> and we need to be using that to move mountains, to listen to God and do his bidding. All right. Continuing on there in 1 Corinthians 12. What verse are we in now? Uh, I've lost track. Nine? Okay. All right. Nine. It says, To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. Man, I'll tell you what. If you think the day of miracles is over, you are loony. All right, the day of miracles is not over. God still does miracles. He still does miracles. Look at your life. But some of those are physical healing. I think included in this is mental healing. Amen. Somebody who's a bipolar disorder, somebody who's depressed, somebody who's schizophrenic, somebody who's who's uh, you know can't control their emotions. God wants to heal their mind, and He can. He desires. That's a miracle. The healing of the mind is probably the biggest miracle of all. But I've been healed. My back's been healed before. My mom prayed for me when I was a little kid. I had a horrible digestive disorder. God healed me of that. Amen. We've seen people healed of cancer. Praise God. Healing. Is it something that's got to be super spectacular? No, it's a simple prayer. God, in the name of Jesus, heal my brother. And God heals him. It doesn't have to be anything crazy and wild with with fireworks God heals he says I give you the gift of healing that's why in Mark 16 17 through 18 it says these signs will accompany those who believe and one of those is they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well did you know there's people in our church right here right now you have the gift of healing all you need to do is take that little step of faith Put your hand, don't, and don't do like these crazy people where you're waving your hand and shaking somebody or pushing someone. Just gently for crying out loud. It's the, it's the Spirit of God. It's not us. You put, you gently place your hand on their shoulder. And I do this with women, all right? I'm going to clamp my fist, put my fist on that woman's shoulder like this so there's no, you know, thinking any wrong thoughts or anybody getting the wrong impressions. But I place my hand on that person. I pray in the name of Jesus, heal them or help them or strengthen them, encourage them. Amen. We want to we want to do everything to keep uh, pure, righteous. But it does say put your hands on somebody and pray for them. 
Amen. I've had people put their hand on my head and they're wiggling and my brain's jiggling around. No. We do this just gently. It's the Spirit of God that operates. It's not the flesh. We're not looking for anything strange or unusual. Then in verse 10, it says, To another, miraculous powers. <laughs> well, that starts toying with the mind of a 10-year-old. I want miraculous powers. All right, well, if you look at this in the Greek, the word for miraculous powers in English, we have two words right there, but in the Greek, it's just one single word, and it's dunamis, and it's where we get the word dynamite, the power of God. Some of you, God has given you the gift of godly power, miraculous power. Now, that's, that's distinguished from the gift of healing, which is pretty powerful in and of itself. But the Bible mentions, the Apostle Paul mentions specifically the gift of miraculous power. Well, what is that about? <laughs> All right. Well, it's praying that that hurricane and that gulf turn around and go the opposite direction. That's the power of God or the power of God when... You, your loved one's about to lose their job, and you say, in the name of Jesus, protect their position, and the power of God swoops in and protects their position. Or that grandchild or that son or daughter that's not serving the Lord, and they're going out partying every Friday night, and you say, God, protect them from a DWI, or protect them from getting hit in an accident. The power of God protects them. God's giving you the power, and it all comes through prayer. You're just praying, Jesus, do it. And his power swoops in through you to answer that prayer in a powerful and in a mighty way. Or praying that a child would call their parents, and then 30 minutes later they call them. <laughs> That's the power of God. That's the gift of the power of God. Do you believe God still raises people from the dead? Absolutely. Pray, man. I need a pretty clear guidance before I walked up to a casket to do that but we know in modern day times missionaries in Africa praying for people and they're they're popping up after having passed away the power of God do you believe the power of God still exists you better better believe it absolutely praise God or praying God help no one in my church to be affected by COVID you know what the power of God is protecting us the gift of the power of God. Continuing on, another prophecy. Well, we talked about prophecy, so I'm not going to touch on it again today. Another one, though, the distinguishing between spirits, discerning of spirits. Discerning or distinguishing means you divide. And the Bible says don't judge each other, but the Bible does not say, and I learned this from my dad, it doesn't say don't judge a situation and distinguish if it's from God or not from God. We need to do that. We discern the spirits. We discern the attitudes of people. All right? Judge between apparent lookalikes. Hey, this person looks like a really good Christian. Are they really? <laughs> I can look at their lives if I hang out with them long enough, and I can tell you're not. You can tell us or not if someone's really living a godly life. It's not that hard to distinguish between spirits, distinguish to determine what's true and what's false, or what's good and what's evil, what's an opportunity and what's a trap. Distinguishing, and this has a lot to do with wisdom as well, I believe. But it says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says, No wonder, for Satan himself disguises or masquerades as an angel of light. There's things that you think are good that might be horrible. It might turn out terribly. 
because Satan tries to masquerade and tries to cover up something by making it look good when in reality it's not. And so here's what I've learned. I'd really like to have this gift. I'd like to have a double portion of this gift. But I've learned, just to give you an example of people, and I've already alluded to this a little bit, but people I've learned to recognize, there's three really bad things in people that I want to pinpoint fairly quickly as a pastor of this small church. First of all, I want to pinpoint discern. I want to distinguish. I want to see if they have a controlling spirit. I've, I've had it up to here with people trying to take control. Not, not of our church, but just taking control of people's life and manipulating and coercing and, and playing mind games. I hate that. And you should hate that too. <laughs> a controlling spirit. If somebody walks in the door and starts trying to control what we're going to do, we're not going to have anything of it. We want Jesus to control what we do. A controlling. Here's what I've learned about somebody who's controlling. In fact, I'll say 100% of the time, somebody who's controlling is divisive. Somebody who walks in the door and is controlling, they're going to try to divide you from one another. And we just we just don't want that that's not how the spirit of god god has given us a place of freedom of love of communion of being together we don't need any divisiveness in our church so controlling is is one thing that i've learned to distinguish or i am learning to distinguish another one that i've already mentioned is self-promotion somebody coming coming in here and self-aggrandize and i'm i do this and i'm this and i'm that you know what hold off just be quiet (laughs) we don't need any cool and we don't need any great God is the only one that's great in our church. And that's all we want. We just want his greatness. And the third thing is someone who comes in genuinely a Christian, but just unrepentant. Never forget. I've mentioned this before. This is a long time ago. A woman and a guy came in. They were sitting together. And and, uh, I thought they were brother and sister. I mean, that's what they look like to me. And um, it turned out, no, they're not. And, yeah, they're they're not married either and they're living together and so I you know my humble kind of low profile way I you know I took them out to lunch and I said hey well you know what's going on here because I'm raising their hands in church loving the Lord and testimonies and blah 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 and I said man so she's not your sister right no no, it's not my sister and you guys are living together yeah yeah relationship together yeah yeah absolutely and always, oh, and she's married. She's trying to get her divorce right now. I said, "Well, <laughs> let's talk about this." All right. Um, here's what the Bible says. I'm not condemning you or anything, but you just, you know, you're in our church, and and you need to know the truth. Well, I never saw him again. Yeah. So unrepentance is a bad thing. It's a bad thing, man. Uh, now, you know, we struggle with sin. One thing is to live in sin. Another is to struggle with sin. We all struggle with sin. I mean you know bad attitudes bad habits bad whatever we're struggling with sin righteousness inside of us god's righteousness is struggling with that sin and eventually righteousness is always going to win it's always going to win versus someone who's over here just totally threw up their arms and says i'm not doing anything wrong no that's that's unrepentant and and we have to (laughs) we have to listen to the holy spirit of god and distinguish in our lives and in other lives what we see and those are three examples there Finishing up here, uh, another one is speaking in different tongues. Now, I believe pretty strongly, (laughs) 
I better be careful here. Uh, from the examples in the Bible, when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they will speak in other tongues. But here is, here's spoken of uh, the gift of tongues. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't fully understand it. I, I probably don't understand most of this completely. But there's the gift of different tongues. One thing is speaking in a tongue, a language. Another is speaking in different tongues. And I'm sure as I get closer to God, God will reveal more and more about this to me. I don't, I don't fully understand it. But we do, we, we do know this. In 1 Corinthians 14, 39, the Apostle Paul states very clearly, do not forbid speaking in tongues. That's what the Bible says. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Now, I've noticed that in our church here, we don't hear a lot of people speaking in tongues, a lot of people praying in tongues. Um, in my personal time, when I'm praying, I'll sometimes pray in tongues. Um, it, I, I, I have this proximity to God that is wonderful whenever that happens. Um, but, but if there was ever tongues spoken in church, the Bible is very clear that there's to be interpretations of tongues. And um, I've been in churches where this happens many times, where as during a prayer time, uh, someone stands up, speaks in tongues, sits down in a very orderly fashion, the church prays, and then a total different person on the other side of church stands up and interprets those tongues that have been spoken. And in your spirit, it blesses you. It blesses you. You're like, that was from God. <laughs> There's no way that could have, that blesses me. I've also been in situations where it didn't bless me an ounce, and I felt like it was just put on, <laughs> to be quite frank with you. And so what we want, we want the genuine. We want the real. We want what God has for us. We're not looking for anything manufactured or anything to, to make people look hyper-spiritual or, or great. So I'll end with this. In verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 12, it says, all of these things are the work of one and the same Spirit. He distributes each of them just as He determines. So I'm not going to sit here and say, guys, we need to start speaking in tongues. We need to start seeing more healings. We need No, let God drive the truck. Let's let God dictate what needs to happen. Let's not try to make things happen ourselves. Let's just seek the Lord. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8 through 10, we see how God determines this. It says at the, it, at the end of these verses, he scatters abroad these gifts. He freely, he takes a big old hand of seed and goes, and then he takes another one and scatters it all over all of us. And those seeds, those gifts start landing in our lives as we're filled with the Spirit, as we're reading our Bibles, as we're doing what God has us to do. And those gifts just start springing up in our lives amen that's what we need so i'll end with this the purpose of the gifts is not for me not for self-promotion not for your self-promotion it's straight up love god gifted you to go show love to somebody else in a tangible way that's why in first corinthians 13 8 through 10 it says love never fails but where there are prophecies that's a gift they will cease why because love is better than the gifts Get the, the gifts are just a means of showing love. It says, where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness or fullness comes, what is in part disappears. Let me tell you what, the most powerful thing in the world is God's love. 
nothing beats the love of God. And in this, in this um, age of the church, this age from Jesus until the end of the world is the age of the church, God has gifted us to bless each other because of love. Because we love people, we want to help them, we want to serve them, and in many cases, many cases serve them supernaturally. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, for your great love, your great patience, your great goodness towards us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want everything that you have for us, nothing less and nothing more. Lord, only what you have to offer us is what we want. And Jesus, Lord, I pray that because of your love, we would begin to operate powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit, powerfully. That if we see somebody sick on the side of the road, it's in the street, the sidewalk, we would just extend our hands with that gift of healing and pray, Jesus, heal my friend right here. And see him healed. Heavenly Father, Lord, if we have the gift of service, Lord, the gift of generosity, that we would operate in that gift, Lord Jesus. God, that here in our midst, as, as you're hovering, your spirit hovers over us as, as you did at creation. You hover over our church. Lord, that we begin to truly operate in your gifts as a sign to others of your presence, manifested presence in our midst. And we thank you, Lord, for it. In your name I pray. Lord, just release your giftings on every single person. Lord, help us to become more and more aware of our calling, our gifting, and our purpose to love others. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.